I'm Aaron Rothstein of the Ethics and Public Policy Center's Bioethics and American Democracy Program. Welcome to Searching for Medicine Soul. Today's guest is Samuel Shem. He's a professor of medicine and medical humanities at the NYU School of Medicine and a novelist, playwright, and activist. His first novel, The House of God, was called one of the two most important American medical novels of the 20th century by The Lancet and was chosen by Publishers Weekly as number two on its list of the 10 best satires of all time, between Don Quixote at number one and Catch-22 at number three. He has also written multiple other novels and plays. A graduate of Harvard and Harvard Medical School, Shem earned his PhD as a Rhodes Scholar at Oxford. His most recent novel is Man's Fourth Best Hospital. Shem, thanks for coming on the podcast and taking the time today. Okay, I'm uh, looking forward to it. Yeah, I, you know, one of my... Um, one of my favorite things about great literature, whatever time period it was written in or, or set in, uh, and one of the characteristics, characteristics that makes, I think, great literature stand the test of time is its ability to, um, I think, tickle the reader's sense of familiarity. So one can identify with a protagonist, a dilemma or a conflict. And, and there's this epiphany as a reader comes across these moments, a sense of comfort that one is not alone that others have weathered the same challenges or felt similarly elated or discouraged. And The House of God is one of those books for me and for um, many others I know. I've read it now five times throughout my medical training. It's powerful and dark and hilarious. And um, most medical trainees identify so viscerally with it. It brings comfort to those of us who felt overwhelmed by the death, destruction, and misery of suddenly being thrown into a world where we were responsible for taking care of people at death's door. Um, for our listeners who haven't yet read it, the book deals with the first year of residency known as intern year and all of its complexities and difficulties and tragedies. Uh, more amazingly and more evidence, I think, of the staying power of the novel, it was published in 1978. What made you decide to write the book and, and why after four and a half decades do you think it still has so much relevance? Well, uh, I, uh, I write for one reason. I didn't realize that for a long time, but uh, in retrospect, <clears throat> I felt I write for one, one reason, which is when I start to feel about something usually in my life, always in my life, actually, because I write close from home. Uh, it's, like, it's, a, it's a group of these, hey, wait a second moments. You know, like when you're walking down a street in a city and a guy's sitting there, say, hey, you got a dollar. And you, you, know, you say, no, 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 I'm not going to. And you go on and then you say to yourself, hey, wait a second. Why did, why did he looked OK? Why didn't I give him a dollar? You know, and sometimes I go back. That's not the point. But I what gets my motor going in writing fiction and plays, et cetera, mostly is uh, to to see an injustice and uh, say somebody's got to write about this so it maybe gets better, and you seem to be the person that's that has to do it because I only have hey wait a second moments that, that come very close to me and and that comes from well let me just say when I go out and speak uh, I've always spoken about the same thing which is the danger of isolation and the healing power of good connection. What's good connection? Good connection is mutual connection. Um, if it ain't mutual, it ain't that good. And 
it's a, I, so I, I, I go out saying staying human in medicine, you know, the danger of isolation, the healing power of good connection. I, I, let me go back a step because how did I get to that point? Well, uh, I'm, I'm a, uh, a, a person of the 60s. I got a Rhodes Scholarship to go from Harvard to Oxford uh, in 1966. And we lived through uh, all of the riots all over uh, the United States. I mean, there have been riots, but there were never, there have never been in my lifetime, you know, sort of all riots every place after the Kent State uh, shooting of four innocent girls and boys. Uh, uh, because of the the resistance to the Vietnam War, so I grew up, and we grew up in a time of so many hey, wait a second moments. I mean, all the all the uh, assassinations. You got to understand this in a year, approximately. JFK, uh, you know, his brother, you know, Martin Luther King. I mean, you know, on and on and on, and this the the, the so. What we and and the big thing was um, was uh, race, you know, and going down south and trying to get you know something to do with the, the horrible race situation there. So we in 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 college we resisted. We were not going to take this, and we realized uh, if we stuck together and really worked. We could uh, get things changed. And this is the problem. <laughs> the problem is the goodness that we actually put the, um, the voting rights on the books and we actually stopped the Vietnam War. So that's in our blood. That's, that was in my blood. When I went to Oxford, we were in the streets all the time, all over, all over Europe, you know. Um, and it was, it was natural. It was what to do. And so when it came to, I wanted to be a writer, but I wasn't encouraged at Harvard. I, I failed the first test and I never wrote again. But when I was over there, um, I, in fact, it's such a, I got to tell this story. Such as, okay, everybody has to take a writing seminar for a whole year in our, at Harvard, right? And I'm scared. I come, came from a small town. You know, I figured I, uh, as my father said, they only took you because of, uh, uh, geographical distribution. <laughs> he didn't have much confidence. Anyway, so first, so I wanted to be a writer, and I, I, I got in this seminar. Everybody had to take it, and I handed in my paper, and it came back, and there wasn't a mark on it, except down at the bottom, a little red letter said, "See me." Okay, see you. I went in, and 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 uh, and this is the first feedback from this huge institution that I'm scared to death in. And she said, this paper is too terrible to mark. It's below F. I think, oh, that's pretty low, low you know. And I saw my desired career <laughs> just dropped into the toilet. So I didn't write, a, I didn't write at all in, in the four years at, uh, at Harvard. But then when I got to Oxford, it was a whole new thing. And I could do what I wanted. I figured she couldn't get me there. It's, you know, 3,000 miles away. And when I started to write, it was natural to try to write to make change, right? To, to uh, you know, 
we still talk about Orwell, you know, every day. Right. Orwell's Orwell or, uh, is mentioned. Um, so I tried to write different things, and then I had a simple, uh, <clears throat> a simple choice to make: either Vietnam or Harvard Med. And I thought, well, maybe instead of killing people, I uh, I will try to find out how to save them. So because I, I was I was uh, drafted, and then I I had had actually been accepted by Harvard before, so I went to Harvard Med. And you know, life is so life is so crazy. I mean, it's a, by a flicker of a butterfly's wing, you go one way or the other. It's not you're doing it. If these things hadn't happened that I've already told you, um, I wouldn't have come to my first you know real writing, which was the House of God, because we were very much in the resistance place at Harvard Medical School as well. We we struck, we we went out, you know, freshman year was when uh, all this, all the things like uh, Kent State broke open and people were going out, the, 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 the cities were on fire, people were going out on strike in, in uh, colleges, etc. And we were just starting the kidney block. And so we ha- called a meeting to see if we would join this national strike, our class. And people got up in the auditorium and said, uh, well, if we go out on strike, we'll never learn the kidney. And and uh, other people like me said, you know, the hell with the kidney, we're gone. <laughs> and so we went out on strike. That was the, the... so long story short, um, I we were resistors. That was in our blood. That's what we did, it, you know, and they were afraid of us. They were afraid of us, the people who had the power, certainly in medicine. And um, so, and I wanted to be, I wanted to go uh, for my internship at Mass General Hospital because I had done my training there. I'd gotten an A there. I already had a PhD. I knew I'd get in, you know, and I want, I loved that hospital, right? And you had to have an interview. So I went, it went well. Um, On match day, I opened the thing up. Beth Israel? I don't want to go to Beth Israel. What are you kidding me? You know, I'm a Rhodes Scholar, got a PhD, blah, blah, blah. Why didn't they take me? I had no idea. But I went to the house of God. Now, Peren, <laughs> probably 15 years later, I see the, chief, the guy who had been the chief resident in that meeting to select interns, right? I saw him in Harvard Square. I said, hey, what the hell? Why didn't you t- take me? I don't understand. He said, well, do you remember what you did at the end of the, uh, I thought the, the, the thing went great. He said, yeah, it was great. I said, but at the end, do you remember what you said? I said, no, I didn't remember. Uh, he said, they asked you, what else do I like doing? I said, well, I've written three plays. I had them done, you know, around the uh, Harvard and all that stuff. And, you know, okay, goodbye. He said, when you talked about writing, you lit up. We weren't going to waste our time on a guy like you. Wow. We weren't going to stay in medicine. Oh, my gosh. So I went to the Beth Israel. And I thought it was really pretty bad that that happened. It's the best thing. That it, you know, as I say, a little butterfly's wing. If that, if I hadn't, I, I had forgotten what I put down there at the little line. What else do you want us to know? I even forgot about it. And they're saying, well, what? If I hadn't written that down, uh, 
no house of God because how because man's best you know man's best hospital the 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 MGH it was too good a hospital you know but so we entered um, the Beth Israel Hospital which in fact was the number one choice in the United States for medicine for internal medicine it was really it really had a good reputation and. So it was a bunch of really smart guys, and and it was so bad, it was so so bad the way huge, uh, uh, you know, systems are bad. Um, that uh, I had to write about it, you know, and I'd never really ha- tried a novel, and we first I first I first started it by uh, meeting with the guys who are models for all the characters, basically. Because almost all of it is true, you know, right, right, one step off real, you know. And uh, we were drinking and talking, and then finally, you know, I started typing it up and blah blah blah, and then, you know, that led to uh, the house of God. And I've been too long-winded. I'm sorry. No, you're good. Uh, but that's the background, right? You asked sort of, I think sort of why I write and all that. Every line literally in some way or other it has Chekhov talks about this where he says you wouldn't believe it but he, he did he said he said the real artists are are they, they don't just write what the every line is filled with not just the what you're writing but how it can be different basically better you know the same way of putting you wouldn't think of about Chekhov so you know that's that's what I do, and I I just did it to to come to terms with what happened. And uh, one other one other thing only I'll talk about because um, I actually am, am am or was anyway quite a shy guy, and when it came out, I decided I would not. I took a pen name, and I decided that I would uh, not go out and and uh, do any interviews or go any place to talk about it. I said, real writers don't do that. I was very idealistic. And it was the time there was no, uh, there was no internet. And uh, they couldn't get me because I took a pen name. And then one day a letter came from two years. I did this two years, no, no appearances. The book just ran out of the, by word of mouth, you know, did very well right away. Uh, I, w- I was hated by the uh, the previous generation of doctors, all of them, <laughs> and I was loved by the by my guys and girls too and that in, in that time. So for two years I didn't do it I, did, I never did an appearance. They couldn't find me basically except through the publisher one day a letter came to my house from the publisher. And I opened it up, and he said, "And it's a guy." He says, um, "I'm um, I'm on call in Tulsa in a Tulsa VA hospital all night long. And if it weren't for your book, I'd kill myself." Wow! And it hit me. Like, it hit me right in the. He was serious. Hit me right in the uh, in the gut. And from that time on, that would have been uh, probably nineteen. I uh, can't remember. A couple of years after, two years after the book came out, so 80, um, 1980, from then on, I just went out whenever I pretty much took whatever 
people wanted to, me to do, like you. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's way too much for That's how this is, you know, I feel very affirmed, even after all the crap I've gotten, because things have changed. But from Mansworth Best Hospital, in some ways, they're a lot worse. Yeah. That's um, why I wrote Man's Fourth Pistol. Right. Um, and I do, I definitely want to talk about that novel, but first a couple of uh, questions about your um, experience uh, as an intern, which is so, even now, still reflective of a lot of our experiences as, as interns. So there's a wonderful passage at the beginning of The House of God uh, about the hospital and its effect on on Roy, the protagonist. To write, all of us had become deaf to the murmurs of love. What had happened in the house of God had been fierce, and I had been hurt, bad. For before the house of God, I had loved old people. Now they were no longer old people, they were gomers. And I did not, I could not love them anymore. I struggle to rest and cannot. And I struggle to love and cannot. For I'm all leached out like a man's shirt washed too many times. What is it about medicine or medical training that creates these kinds of reactions. Um, it almost feels like a barren emotional desert, a, a kind of brokenness. That's, that's the result. That feeling is the result of um, trying to survive in an unjust system, you know, because you're totally, totally over, overworked. Uh, your generation hasn't experienced, not at least for a whole year, uh, sleep deprivation terribly much, but the the main thing, you know, why do all these why why in the book and in reality why we started with a really cohesive group? Why did we get isolated? Right, one of you know somebody commits suicide, eat my dust, daddy goes crazy, all that stuff, right? And all of this stuff that you just read, that we, we were deaf to the murmurs of the heart. We, that was way up. <laughs> you know, we were like chimpanzees. This is human, you know. <laughs> right. So I've, 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 I did a lot of stuff, a lot of thinking about this over the years, you know, trying to figure it out. It took a long time to figure out what was going on. And, and it, it has come out in what I do and what I write forever on. Why was it so bad? It was part of, it was a big hierarchical system, a power over system, right? And in a power over system, the lowest people get hurt the worst. Like that little piece of paragraph, you're just, you, you, you can't even see straight and you're treating patients. I mean, you're so tired. But it isn't just fatigue. It's not being supported by anyone up the ladder. Right? right. The only ones that were together, really, because we really had crappy, crappy chief residents and all that stuff who just wanted to make money in it, privacy. You know, we, we, the, the, the push came down, the pressure came down, and we got isolated in three words, three uh, ways. Number one, each of us in the book uh, got isolated from the others, right? They stopped being a cohesive group, right? Secondly, and this is really dangerous, uh, you start to think that I'm crazy for thinking this is crazy when you're alone. Yes. Like, what's the matter with me? Why can't I do this? You know, that's terrible. And then the final thing that was terrible, which is now 
cured, thank God, is we we had no ability to sustain the loving relationships that might have uh, buoyed us up, girlfriends, wives, you know, all that stuff. Because because we we were on, you know, you don't know, or maybe you do know, but it's not. Certainly, people don't go through. You know, if you're on every third night, you know. You, you get one good night of sleep in three. If you're on, as we were, sometimes, it's in the book, when people then go really crazy, is is every other night, you're not, you, you just are in a daze the whole time. You can't have any relaxation. And the book had something to do with the, the uh, limitation on shifts now, I think. So what, what happens is, you know, people, you know, the pressure comes down and people scatter and there's no way that you can make any come back together to make some effect on changing it, you know, um, and that's, that's the real tragedy. Right. And, and, you know, now, and I hope we can, we can talk a little about um, man's fourth best hospital because now it's not like those huge, um, those huge higher, you know, hierarchies are coming down on people. And oh, and I wanted to say the only resist, the only way to change things, the only resistance to a, a power over system, uh, is the quality of the connections who are further down, whether it's race, gender, uh, you know, go on right down the uh, religion, etc. Um, and that's what we're on in, you know, let's broaden it a bit. That's what America is now. That's where it is. And it's fomenting and it's going to explode. I don't know when, but it's going to explode. It's exploding in littler ways. But, but the only thing, this is, this is, this is uh, peacemaking. The only, th- only thing is for people to get together and, and, and get on the streets and get on the net uh, and stick together. People, I say to people, don't get isolated. Stick together in anything, and and that's the only way we're going to get things better. Which I think we will. Right. And do you think um, this isolation has something to do with uh, this this trap? The med- what, I, what I think is a trap in medicine, which is that everything else in life becomes secondary to it. And and Joe, one of the um, residents in the book. Uh, Fat says about her, I'm saying women like Joe make lousy people because they're doctors, just like some men do. The profession is a disease. It doesn't care what sex you are. It can trap us, any of us. And it's pretty clear that it's trapped Joe. It's awful. You should see her apartment. It's like no one lives there. She's been there over a year and she still hasn't unpacked her stereo. I mean, is that kind of like that isolation causes people to sort of retreat to medicine as, as if it's comforting in some way, but but they ignore the relationships with other people. Yeah, I mean, there's a great pull on us to isolate. There, there really is when we get hurt. We're in a tough, tough spot. Um, and um, it, I want to, I want to generalize this uh, now on that. You know. Um, the, um, the it's a difference between con- connection coming first or self comes first. 
if someone like in Joe's place could find a way to reach out, she would have a connection. She didn't have any connections that would then sustain her to take the next step. And my wife and I have done a, a, a lot of work on this in, in the past. And there really is a new kind of what we discovered is that the the healthy way of learning and living is in connection, not in self. I, I give you, I'll give you this short little uh, example that I use when I go out and talk and stuff. Um, the the uh, suppose you're a doctor who who is on call, and uh, that after you wake up and that afternoon you have a terrible thing to do. It's really hard. It's you don't know if you can really do it well, and you're you're scared to death to have to do it. And but you, you've just you've um, you've arranged a lunch with an old friend. Haven't seen an old friend for a while. If the lunch is goes well, each of the participants will come out of it with five good things. This is called the five good things of relationships, right? Number one, each of them leave the lunch uh, with more energy or zest, right? Just for trying to envision this, everybody who's listening. Number two, each feels that they know the person better, right? They've gotten to know the person better. Number three, they value the pace, the person and themselves more. They, they feel more valued. Four, which this is the big one for the example, um, each person, it's power, each person uh, leaves with more of a sense of power to take action. And then number five, oh, let's do it again, right? Let's keep, let's do, let's have lunch again. The big one is power. I'm talking all about power now in both because that's what we need here now. We got to, we doctors got to take our, take it, this stuff into our own. We're killing each other. Really? All right. Cool off. <laughs> it used to be, this is the, it used to, this, the traditional self, model of power resides in a person, in a person, right? That's not this. That's a, that's a, that's a malignant power. That's a power over. In this, in this situation, when you, when you walk in, you're not feeling very powerful, right? But in, in the connecting, you have to use the gerund, in the connecting, power arises in the luncheon from for both people right it's a relational model of power right and you go and you do and you and you go and you can do this procedure good connect this is the one line i wish i'd engraven doctors from the inside of their brain you know good connection is good medicine good connection is good medicine for instance as you know any doctor knows this um uh, if you if you say you're seeing a new a new patient, if you connect, you'll hear everything. If you don't connect, you won't hear anything. Connection comes first, and then the second, the corollary, is that nobody gets it right all the time. Right? We're always screwing up in our home lives, you know, with patients. We don't know. 
you know, we have a batting average average that's pretty good, but we don't know. Um, and 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 the the, the the that's a fact. And if whether you're thinking of a relationship with your loved one or you're thinking of a patient, um, um, you're going to screw up. The people who are successful uh, are may do something. They see this connection. They understand the, this connection. And you you might even say to them, hey, we've got a disconnect now, don't we? I mean, you know, we're not in connection anymore, right? Right. And that's saying, saying we're not in connection is a connecting thought, a connecting thing to the patient to say, yeah, yeah. You know, think of your, your loved ones. You're always screwing you. The people, the marriages that make make it are when people can say we've had we have had a connection example from uh, surgeons okay the old time surgeons for instance said somebody came in and said um i've done the test and i'm going to operate on you okay patient says right a long time ago now we have i've done the tests and you can get a, a second opinion okay that's pretty good but those are iu those are IU. If you get into the IU, not the we, this is all about using the we. Suppose the surgeon says nowadays, he says, well, we've done the test. Let's talk about what we're going to do. We've done the tests. Uh, let us decide what we are going to. That's three. That's a jackpot. That's three we's in a row that, that the that this patient won't notice. But it's sub subliminal often, and she will feel that there's a we here, right there, right, right between them. There's I and you, but there's a we that em emboldens the I. And and, the, and what's the biggest reason that so that uh, surgeons now get get uh, sued? The patient says, "I didn't have a relationship with him or her." Right. That's that's uh, uh, you know data. Yeah. So um, you can see what line I'm on here. I think um, it's probably, it, you know, the seeds of that were in the house of God. The house of God is not without its ways to get out of that horrible, you know, uh, hierarchical. Place. I, I I looked at, years later. I looked at because people said, "Oh, it's so cynical and everything." But let me read you a couple of things from the House of God, and then maybe we'll go to Vance Fourth because we're we're you know I could talk all day, but sure. I can't talk all day. Um, fat man, the fat man. I make them feel that they are still part of life, part of some grand nutty scheme, instead of alone with their diseases. Man, I used to be able to really write, you know. <laughs> um, Roy, what these patients wanted was what anyone wanted, the hand in their hand, the sense that their doctor could care. And then Dr. Sanders, a patient, actually, what sustains us is when we find a way to be compassionate to love. And the most loving things we do is be with a patient like you're being with me. And that was before I codified or learned more about using the we. 
if I had one, if I if I had one thing to say to everybody, you know, I'd say, use the word we. You know, right. you don't need the I and you. Use the word. If you get the we, then you've you've done it. Yeah. Uh, um. So yeah. Speaking of we, um, man's fourth best hospital, um, which was published only a couple of years ago, um, it's a it's kind of brutal satirical takedown of our current uh, medical system. Um, and a sequel to to the House of God, um, and while the plots are are different, of course, I think ultimately the theme, the theme we talk about uh, regarding detachment from our colleagues, friends, patients, and family, um, is can be soul crushing, uh, and it makes us worse as as human beings and physicians. Can you speak a bit about what prompted you to write Man's Fourth Best Hospital, and, and what you feel the modern barriers are to practicing uh, humanistic medicine? Yeah, uh, I will, but I'm going to put an ad in for my best book that nobody knows about, and then I'll go on to it um, because I'm on I'm on a campaign in different ways to get it out there more. Uh, I I wrote another. I've written a lot of different stuff. I wrote Janet and I wrote a a play about the called Bill W and Doctor Bob that did Broadway three times. You know uh about the founding of Alcoholics Anonymous and that was a, 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 cher- a cherished thing for us too it's actually now going to be st- somebody came up and it, I think it's going to be Amazon streaming at a great great uh, um the spirit of the place is not the same kind of uh book I love that as, book that was uh, great I love did you did you read I it? loved it yeah that was great Oh bless you! It's a it's a book you gotta love. Yes. <laughs> what a good uh, what a good. I I can't believe I wrote it. That's the reason I'm trying to promote it because nobody nobody would publish it. Wow! I couldn't get it published until finally I slipped it in with the, I think the, the House of God or something the same publisher and nobody knows about it. I I really am. I'm I'm 77. I'm going to try to get that more known because it has so many good facets uh, that, you know, I mean, it won two, you know, best book award in the United States, but nobody, I've gotten labeled for, you know, the house of God. It's very hard. And so the house of um, the spirit of the place um, is my best book. And, and uh, I'll, tell you about what I've just, I've just finished another novel. I'll tell you after we, at the end of the interview, because I've, I've written the, the, another in the series now, I just sent it in. But, um, well, it's the same thing. It was a, it was a huge, hey, wait, well, it's this butterfly's wing again. You know, I was happy writing. I wrote The Spirit of the Place, other things here. You know, I wasn't on the Harvard faculty anymore. I was just a writer. And uh, out of the blue, not quite out of the blue. But, well, yeah, it was out of the blue. I got a call from NYU Medical School. Hey, you want to be a, you want to be a professor in medicine at NYU Medical School? I said, well, why? <laughs> yeah. What do you want me to do? You said, well, we want you to teach. I said, what do you want in, in humanities? In the humanities, med- medical humanities. Uh, per, you be, could be a professor of medical humanities. NYU. So I said, well, what do you want me to teach? He said, dummy, the house of God. <laughs> <laughs> So Harvard hated me for the house of God, you know, and here they're in their humanities department. They wanted me to do a seminar. 
on the house of God. This was now seven years ago. I was only supposed to do it for, I think, a visiting profession, for professor, but I, I, I love it. I love NYU Medical School. It's a terrific medical school. And you know why? One of the reasons, it's a kind school and it's 35,000 people. I found, I'm, think, I'm thinking to myself, why is this so different from Harvard? You know, they're good, good, doing good, doing good things, even though it's twice as big. Um, the top three guys, when I first joined them, were refugees from the house of God. Hmm. They had been in my class, actually. One of them had been in my class, and he wasn't going to treat people with abuse like he'd been abused. He broke the chain. Isn't that amazing? Wow. It's amazing. Yeah. So, okay, seven years ago, here we go. I go down there to teach this seminar. And uh, and I'm very curious. You know, I'd been out of medicine. Uh I'm very curious. So I tried to really, I went, I did everything down there. I stayed, I went to the emergency room. I went on rounds about the first time I was on rounds up on the, on the wards. First time I was on rounds, I'm looking and I see, and, and I see the, the, the magic. I see the incredible steps that medicine has held, has, has, has gotten to, uh, you know, through uh, science and other kinds of things, uh, what, what, we, what we can do now is incredible compared to what I learned how to do. And, but, and there's the but, I mean, nothing to write about that, that's great. All of a sudden I saw two things that I had never seen before. It's all about money and screens, computer screens which is money and money. And I said to myself, self, somebody's got to write about this. I guess it has to be you. Just like that. And so, you know, uh, this is a real sequel to The House of God. It has most, almost all the major characters. And um, it's a, it's, a, it's, it's really looking at how uh, money and screens have taken over, and they're making our doctors' lives and practices absolutely horrendous. You almost never, ever, now talk to a doctor who says, "Yeah, yeah, I like, I like doing this." They like, you know, they like doing surgery. They like seeing patients, just like that's why we went into it. But it's absolutely, how can I put it? Uh, the, the, the big money and the technology, you know, like came in and grabbed it and is wringing our necks. I've never put it that way. But it's, you know, this thing about uh, burnout, it, that's not the right term. It, it, that, that makes it sound like we can't take it. You know, burnout is not to be used. One of the one, things that they do, uh, good friends of mine have written about, it's, it's, it, you'll know the paper, it, written about uh, moral injury. This is moral injury to doctors. Uh, I think the best, that's a good one. I think the best is just plain abuse. I think it's abuse because. Um, Otherwise, you sort of are getting into 
uh, burnout means we can't take it. Abuse is different, you know. So I would use that word or moral injury, like in a war. Um, so it's it, it, I can't. I mean, so I had to write this book. <clears throat> I learned everything. I uh, spent a lot of time everywhere, you know, um, and uh, out it came. It was very hard to write, but um, the the real we are stuck and trapped because we don't ever stand up for what we need, not even what we want anymore. It's not want anymore. It's need. What we need, we can't go to work like this. I mean, the statistics all hammer it out. And, you know, it's American capitalism. It's un, it's just it, all of the things, if you're even a little sane, you don't have to be liberal anymore. Even if you're a little sane, you know that there is something absolutely wrong about the model that how the model that was a good model is not is not working anymore. And doctors are just so unhappy. It, break, it breaks my heart. So I had to write about it. And I brought back all the major characters, you know, and it was, uh, it's, it has the same, you know, it rides on humor, not, not much sex anymore there. It rides on humor. And uh, it's about how we doctors have let them take over, actually. Somebody said to me, long, it's in the book, a word uh, uh, in, in, in the novel. <clears throat> um, uh, you know, what we're into is like you go into a theater and uh, watching a play and then, you know, an actor falls down and a shout goes up. Is there an insurance agent in the house? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. An insurance executive, an insurance executive in the house. You know, we have given it to them. We have given them to them. So I, I don't think I don't. I'm optimistic because I don't think this can last. Yeah, it just isn't going to be able to last. Right. Uh, it's going to take a while, but everybody's so damn tired, and the thing looks so hard to change the thing that we've learned is uh if you are in the right for most of the people which is certainly a, a, ca a case of, of uh, this uh, what's happening to, to to care uh you will if you can persist you you will win i i do think that uh that martin luther king did say the arc of justice does it bends but it, it, it you know but it will come yeah. Um, so, it, I mean, I'm making it very, that, that's more seriousness. You read it. I mean, it's just as funny, I think, as the House of God. Uh, and, um, you know, it's about uh, the fat man is offered, well, man's fourth best hospital used to be man's first best, best, best hospital. And the, and the wasps that, that run it uh, are going crazy. One even you know, got a little depressed. Imagine that, a wasp depressed. And so they have to get more prestige and power and money. And the fat man has made a lot of money and he's a lot of prestige. And so they say, what do you want to do? And he says, um, I want, I want, we'll let you do anything you want. I want to put a public clinic 
leaning up against the big building, pri not private, public clinic, and I'm going to bring in all my old guys from the house of God. And what we're going to do is to put the human back in medicine, right? And that's where I started. And that was very difficult because I, I had to, it, this didn't happen. You know, the house of God happened. This didn't happen. I had to create that clinic. But, you know, it, it rides on humor. The house of God rose on humor and sex. Can't write humor now. We're, we're both, not much humor at all, this book. <laughs> um, that's another issue. But, um, but what I had to do was, um, as I say, it rides on humor. And what I, uh, humor about uh, the electronic medical record as well. Uh, they had a real uh, terrific thing happen in this clinic, all the guys, because um, Sev, who was the high tech man, managed to screw up the computers so they couldn't uh, they couldn't send things out, you know. Uh, so all they had to do was the <laughs> order the tests and stuff, but they couldn't bill, <laughs> and that lasted for a couple of months. Um, that's what we need to do. Shut them. Shut all the billing part. You know, there are there are there are four hundred people in the in, in Mass General Hospital. There are four hundred people in a billing building. That all they do is they do billing. You know. Anyway, but what I if I was going to take this off, if I, if I was going to take this on, um, I had to know what was going on in every part of the healthcare system. And I talked to a lot of people. I read everything I could, so that in the middle of the uh, of the book, the fat man gets up on a chalkboard and set, and gives a lecture on the six uh, the six parts of American healthcare. There are the six horrible things about American healthcare. Follow the money, and I had to find these six interlocking things, which all are true. I mean, this is really down to science, but he makes it very, very funny. And then they figure out, for the end, you've read it, how to change it, <laughs> you know. And um, I think you can read this like you read The House of God, which is, um, you know, it being authentic and leading towards something better. And this one really does, I think, uh, do that. Um, so that's man's fourth best hospital. You know, it's it's out there. Yeah, uh, I reading it um, felt similarly as I did to the House of God because I thought, oh my gosh, this is exactly what's going on. I mean, the statistics bear this out. Um, so, f uh, primary care doctors now spend nearly two hours typing into the electronic health record for every one hour of direct patient care. I mean, it's it's crazy. And then from 1975 to 2010, the number of healthcare administrators increased by 3,200%. Um, and now there are 10 administrators for, for every doctor. Uh, so we can see this play out on a day-to-day -day basis. And I have to say, even um, just now, I, I as you were talking, I remembered uh, something that happened recently with, uh, with insurance coverage. A, a patient of mine I uh, was on a blood thinner um, and 
suddenly, without warning, without explanation, insurance stopped covering that particular blood thinner um, for the patient, necessary for for the patient's health. Uh, and so I was called, and um, th- the price uh, without insurance coverage was exorbitant. It's impossible for the patient to pay. So I was looking through, like, what what else am I going to prescribe? The other drugs in that particular class, also the insurance company just stopped covering. So they were going to be exorbitantly expensive. Um, so then I had to go back and prescribe one of the older medications that's not as effective. But in order to do this, the patient needs kind of regular lab checks and needs to be hooked into a particular clinic uh, that can help monitor those labs and the dosage of the blood thinner. So I have to go into the computer, order a consult to this clinic so that the patient can get into the clinic. The problem is that there was a consult open from months ago that hadn't been quote unquote closed out, whatever that means, in the electronic health record. So you couldn't actually order this new consult. Um, so I had to call up this clinic and they said, well, this new this visit is open and you actually can't order this consult, you have to ask the cardiologist to do so. So I had to message the cardiologist now to do this. And on and on it and on it went. And you just think to yourself, this is one patient, one physician. Um, and that was, you know, an hour and a half, two hours of work trying to get this sorted out. Multiply that by however many, you know, thousands, millions of patients in the healthcare system. And you just think, what have we done? Uh, what have we done? I mean, we've we've really kind of just really screwed things up here, and and that's why man's fourth best, I think, resonated so much with me and resonates so much with other people. That's it's satirical, but you also recognize how close to reality some of this is. I mean, one of the one of the passages in, in the novel, um, say Screen Logic, you'll each be given an eye tablet containing all the information in medicine. You don't have to remember anything; just click, 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 click. Our interns do 8,000 clicks per 12-hour shift, best in America. Um, and I just think, like, this is what goes on now in medicine. It's all computer-based. It's, and I don't know, they've taken, taken the relationship away from the, from the doctor and patient and, and uploaded it onto the That's right. And, um, that's right. I mean, my heart goes out to you. I, 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 I certainly could not. Uh, <clears throat> I could not stay in that a system like that, but you know, I just, um, um, I, I, I just, well, let me, let me, you know, I, I'm an optimist. I think, uh, this kind of capitalism in a, in a, uh, in a absolutely necessary, uh, care program for its citizens Sooner or later, it's not gonna. It's not gonna keep going this way. It can't. It's gonna implode. And I think we'll be, we'll be ready, or you'll be ready. I mean, I think there are lots of ways that there are little hints that there are, are you know, we will get to a single payer. It's just the problem is doctors don't, uh, <clears throat> doctors don't get together. You know, they just don't get together, um, except at the. Uh, Sometimes they do, uh, but but not very much. Uh, nurses get together, and it has something to do with gender, I'm sure. 
Um, <clears throat> the uh, I mean, there are, there are male doctors too, but I mean, male uh, nurse, nurses too. But um, it can't go on. And I think uh, the real answer is um, I think I think it will come from from doctors and nurses allying. I think because the nurses now are just absolutely killed because. And I, I've got to go in about five minutes, but I want to mention and I have an idea because we are talking about real important stuff. We maybe we could do this again. I mean, I'd be fine with. I'd me. love to. Yeah, I've been. I've been. A, I, it takes a longer time to talk about this stuff because I've got so much that I'm trying to do. And I, I have become very public because of what we're talking about. I want this to change. It's killing people. It's really killing people. If not killing them dead, killing their spirit, you know? Yes. So let me just tell you, so think about that and we can do it. I'm, I'm, you know, I, I just finished this new novel, the new novel I want to talk about, uh, because it's a bit different. No, it's not different. It's, it's actually the fourth in the four series. The House of God was number one. Mount Misery, Mount Misery you probably didn't read. It's about my, uh, it's about psychiatry. It's sort of a House of God of psychiatry. Uh, when I, the first year of my uh, residency as a psychiatrist. The third was Man's Fourth Best Hospital. And guess what? <clears throat> um, uh, two years, I, I caught the COVID early in uh, in that first March. I was going out on Man's Fourth, giving <laughs> giving talks to big crowds like Montefiore Hospital, you know, 400 people and nobody's wearing anything. <laughs> the only thing was don't shake hands. It was just when it was coming in, just, and I caught it. And so it was lucky. I came home here in Boston and I gave it to Janet. She didn't like that. It was it was horrible, but we didn't have to go to a hospital. You know, sort of the, the COVID sort of tiptoed up to the to the lung, and then said, oh, "No." <laughs> anyway, it was awful. But for two years, I've been very cautious, and I'll, I don't have, I I couldn't get to NYU, so I taught for a while. That you know, I taught, but I had a ton of time, and I said, "Well, what do you? What's there to write? What's there to write? Are you kidding me? The COVID in the time of COVID." And so I get together, you'll appreciate this now, I get together Roy Bash, uh, Orville Rose, because it's about a little hospital in uh, Columbia, which is the town of the spirit of the place, right? Everybody should read the spirit of the place. But And Orville Rose the main is, is one of the main characters in there. Um, <clears throat> so I'm bringing these two series of my life, the, the Roy Bash, Roy Bash grew up in Colombia. Orville Rose grew up in Colombia. They're both Jewish. It's a small town. They're both Dodgers. Of course, they know each other. So when they need help, when Roy, when uh, when uh, Orville Rose needs help in the COVID in this little hospital, which is owned by Private Equity now, which is the the newest, worstest uh, ownership of all these chains. Private, right? Hahnemann in Philadelphia. Right. Close, Everybody close should down. read that. Yeah. Everybody should read that. 
what they're doing. So anyway, I'm I'm doing that, and um, I have uh, uh, and it's about this how this little t- little town and little hospital deals with this horrific equity uh, boss. And the first thing that private equity does when they take over a hospital, I don't know if you know this, maybe not the first, but nearly, is they get rid of obstetrics. So now for Hudson, New York, which is the town, the real town, uh, if a woman wants to have a baby in a hospital, they have to drive 40 40 miles. Imagine that. That's, That's, I mean, so anyway, so this book is about the first three waves of COVID in that little hospital and eat my dust, Eddie, hyper Hooper, Sev, uh, et cetera. And the other stars of the book, finally, I really, really wanted and did do our nurses, our nurses, because they're incredible workers and they're getting killed, literally killed, you know? So it's going to be, it won't be out for a year because, believe it or not, I just heard that yesterday. The printer, the, the the publisher can't buy paper, enough paper to write to 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 publish their books or printers. So they're pushing everything back. Anyway, um, so it's about now. It's about now. Well, it's actually about last year, and uh, it's it's in the same. So now I have a quartet. It's the Shem Quartet. That's great. House of God, Mount Misery, Man's Fourth. And and you know something, uh, Aaron? I I can't believe I wrote that, but I didn't have anything else to do, really. Um, And I just about killed myself. Like, my body didn't like me sitting here all that time. But um, it's it's real. If, if If a... if a Martian came down and wanted to see what really, now really, what really American medicine was for 50 years, because from House of God to when this is published, it's 50 years exactly, um, they could read these. You know, I have this because of what we said at the beginning of this talk, where, hey, wait a second, this is the more accurate, true description of this than any nonfiction. Hmm. They can't do this. You know, they can't do this. So that's why I do it, I guess. I don't know. Oh, I do it because I can't not do it. Right. Yes. And now you're going to have me in trouble with uh, with my wife. Uh, so I better go. Oh, I don't I've enjoyed, that. You've let me talk. I mean, you've barely, you've barely, I've, you've barely gotten to your question. So, um, you know, let me know. I'd be, uh, you, you, you listen which I, I, I need. <laughs> Samuel Shem, thanks so much for taking the time today. Really appreciate it. Okay. Stay in touch. Will do. This podcast has been produced by the Ethics and Public Policy Center in Washington, D.C. Visit eppc.org to learn more about our programs, events, and podcasts.